Passing Dimes is proud to welcome a new partner to the show, Momentum Pro Camps. Momentum Pro Camps runs volleyball camps across Ontario, bringing professional athletes, coaches, and resources to communities, clubs, and partners. Momentum's mission is to inspire and develop high performers for life, and they're doing just that. Unfortunately, because of the COVID-19 pandemic, Momentum has suspended all programming until permitted by local public health recommendations. However, they have developed incredible future programming for athletes to benefit from and are excited to share it with all of you when we can play again. Follow us on social media at Momentum Pro Camps for updates and details on future programs or email us at contact at MomentumProCamps.com. Stay excellent, friends. Hello and welcome to Sharp Cuts. On this volleyball talk show, myself, Garrett May, alongside Josh Nickel, talk with experts in the volleyball community about what's going on around the world of the sport, some of the interesting stories, and we try to throw a few chirps along the way. On this episode, we have John May, that's right, my biological father, on the show to talk about his impressions about the recent Cancun FIVB bubble, as well as some other intricate and interesting stories going on in the Olympic qualification process. So welcome to the show and hope you all enjoy. First off, although I wanted to start with the Cancun event and kind of how it was going on down there, and I got to say, and I don't know if you guys watch much of it. I freaking loved it. Like watching all those games and getting in the chats and everything like that. Dad, did you get a chance to watch much? Yeah, I watched a lot. I, I enjoyed watching it. It's uh, it's awesome to see the people that you know, you feel like you're part of the event when you're that close to the people. So yeah, it was a good time. I thought it was a bit uh, uh, routine, meaning that, uh, you know, you're on the same court, the same backdrops, the same everything, you know, three events in a row. It was like, okay, here we go again. But uh, fortunately, we got to see a lot of teams and a lot of different uh, nuances within the Canadian teams. You know, none of them did that great, to be honest with you. They, you know, they're 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 saving their best for, uh, I think, a little later in the summer, maybe. Well, that's a bit generous of you to say. I don't know, Josh, maybe we, you got the inside scoop. So don't be feeling like you got to get give up any inside information here, breaking any news. But um, for any of the Canadian fans out there, we had a, well, we had an okay showing, I think. I think our expectations are a lot higher now for the Canadians. But there were some real standout performances as well from some of those other teams who got went down there and got some massive results. I'm thinking specifically of those, uh, those Qatar boys going down there and getting a couple of big podium finishes and a big win. So that was super impressive to see. And some of the women, I mean, that Australian team making a podium, I mean, the, the American teams are battling for Olympic spots. I think there's a lot of cool stories happening right now. Yeah, I think the three events in a row made it easy to dive into the storylines because you saw the same teams over and over again. There was a lot of cool stuff that like Gudo from Brazil came through a country quota through the qualifier, took a fifth at the first event. And then you're doing the math. You're like, he has to play another country quota in two days. Like if he would have made it to the final, he wouldn't have got a day off and he would have played like 14 days of volleyball in a row. Right. And then you see the matchups, you see the guitar guys, you see little things like uh, Europe had their continental qualifier in early May. So a bunch of them left for the third event. So that's what changed the rankings for the third event. So I think as a fan, yeah, I agree with John. It was a little boring watching the same backdrop, same thing over and over again. But I thought casually it was easy to lock in on a lot of the different storylines going on. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And that's kind of a thing I think beach volleyball is missing, right? Like, so now, I mean, what's next? I'm kind of a, a crappy fan when it comes to this. Like, what's next? We've got another tournament coming up late May. Where the hell is it? Sochi, Russia. 
Okay, so that's a very different part of the world. So everybody heads to Sochi, Russia. They're playing at a totally different time of day, right? Like, it's not like I can see the Saturday, Sunday matches playing at prime time or whatever in the evening, and I'm sitting, eating my dinner, having a drink, watching the game. Like, it's going to be played in the middle of the freaking night. So I'm kind of pissed for that. But how great was it that week after week, we get the teams coming back. There's always something to watch. It's kind of coming back to back. I think there was something there. I don't know, Dad, you've got some inside stuff with the FIVB. Is that something they ever looked at? Or are they like, no, we like to be in a different city every time? I think they're trying to manage the whole COVID thing with respect to, uh, you know, once the bubble was established there in Mexico um, and the need to get some tournaments in before the Olympics as part of the qualification process, I think it, it, it served its purpose. And I, from what I hear, I got a little bit of the inside track on the whole development through uh, Todd Napton from Hutchinson Sand, right? He, he'd been working those events and, uh, you know, dealing with the, the logistics of the sand, even in Tokyo. And he was saying how amazing the stadium is that they built in Tokyo there with, I think he said 11,000 capacity and, you know, what they built there is just unbelievable and how he had to construct it all virtually. Like he had uh, uh, cameras on the different, trades that were doing the different things as he was producing it. But I, I think the FIVB is just managing this COVID thing. And, and surprisingly, for not having a huge infrastructure like some of the pro leagues do, I thought they they pulled off the bubble pretty, pretty well. I don't hear about a, you know, it turning into a hot spot or anybody catching COVID or, you know, whatever. I think they're, they're really keeping the safety protocols. I take my hat off to them. I, I was a bit surprised though, for the first sort of launch of that volleyball world brand. Yeah. Yeah. It looked a bit flat to me, to be honest with you. I, I, but I think they're dealing with, just the logistics of trying to, you know, manage this pandemic and how, you know, putting on live events when in most areas and places in the world, you know, live events are illegal. So, yeah, you know, it's true. Yeah. I mean, you make some good points, but I, I am kind of curious, like, is this not something, cause I don't know, as a fan, right. It was, how great was it that we got to watch something consistent we knew what we could tune into, you know, if we like the product, we're coming back next week type thing. We're coming back tomorrow. There's more of this. We know what time they're playing throughout the day. They can play under the lights. Like, is this not something they'd think about to like, hey, let, let's do this again. Like, let's go to, you know, post a post COVID or, a, what, you know, they can do a bubble or something. Let's go somewhere like, you know, some of those places in Norway or in Austria or in Rome or in New York, California, some of these hot spots for beach volleyball and say, hey, let's do a few tournaments in a row here. It saves the team on travel. Like you, you're staying in the same spot. We get a consistent viewership kind of going and we can kind of build around that. It seemed to make yeah. a lot of sense to me. Well, the, the AVP did that in Long Beach, right? Uh, I, I can't remember the exact time frame, but they pulled back to back to back uh, weekends in Long Beach. They built a sort of a bubble there and they executed and it was similar. Did it uh, help them? Like, was that good? Well, when you say that it helped them, I don't think anybody's making money really doing it under these conditions. They're getting it done is what's happening, right? They're they're serving the athletes and and giving them the competitions that they need to to get ready for the Olympics. And I think um, I think that's good on them for for trying to get the the qu quantity of tournaments in so that the athletes 
you know, stand a chance. Those that are on the bubble of getting into the Olympics can battle. And, you know, so they're trying to make it as fair a process as possible with respect to the number of competitions. And I think they're, you know, they're, they're doing a good job. The fact that uh, I'm not familiar with Sochi, is it a four star? It is a four star. And then there'll be one more before the Olympic window closes in Ostrava, Czech Republic. Yeah. So, you know, the fact that it's all the way across the world is a, you know, it's a big move, right? And, uh, you know, our athletes, meaning volleyball athletes on the beach are used to that, those types of travel conditions. And uh, so I don't, I don't think that's a, a big issue, but I, I don't think, you know, here, here's my thing. And you wouldn't expect much. It's very difficult to market to, to new fans uh, in, in a COVID world. Like right now, we're in the middle of this pandemic and everybody's minds are really elsewhere. But for the volleyball person, for those people like us that are connected to the sport, it was great to be able to tune in on a regular basis and, you know, get your fill of, of the storylines and the action and, you know, the, the people we love to watch and cheer for. And well, I'm let's sure talk about some of those storylines because there is some interesting stuff going on, right? Like, and, we, we, and it's still building, like the, kind of some of it ended, but it also changed and morphed after this kind of bubble and we're headed into next week. So I know we had a few races that are, have kind of ended, Josh. Maybe can you give an update on some of the Canadian teams who maybe we're looking for a different entry now? Well, it, it, we'll start on the men's side because really that was the race I think that everyone drew their attention because Mel and Sarah are in, they're world champions, and Heather and Brandy, I mean, mathematically, like they're they're in. They're just waiting for the deadline they are. to stop. Okay, so see, I wasn't sure of that watching. I, I Like, I was kind of nervous. I was like, damn, do they need good results here? And then when Heather had that ankle roll in one of the games it was like oh damn like how's this gonna go but i guess they're in then which sounds, it might which not be a hundred percent clinch but i think like somebody would have to career in these last two events to really push them out so I, i'm confident that they're in but the guys uh just to give the the listeners an idea of the math sam and sam would have needed a fourth and a medal and Karambula couldn't improve his current points to pass that guy. So because he, what a weather team Italy is, right, in Cancun, those guys took, did the most, right, to increase their stock. So we would, not saying that Sam and Sam can't do it, it would just be something they haven't done in the last year, right? So they would need a fourth and a medal to pass those guys, and they can't improve it. Uh, I think the Latvia guys were hanging tough, and we were already chasing the Swiss guys. So it was almost too much to pass, where I thought our guys were, were playing good ball, but too little too late, I think. So they're, they're kind of focusing on Continental and getting ready to try to battle it out with the Norseka circuit to win a bid for Canada. But that's where they were at. If they were to continue, they would need a fourth and a medal in Sochi and Czech. So they decided to uh, rest up, tag up in, I think Sam and Sam were in Florida training full time and Ben and Grant are back in Brazil with their coach. So they're focused and hopefully still, you know, well, not hopefully they are fighting for an Olympic spot. They just have to go a different route now. Damn. And that just, it just hurts. Just hurts my heart. Cause I know. Okay. So we got the two women in though, the two women's teams, we got Melissa and Sarah, who've made it in there, the world champs, they're going, we got Heather and Brandy. They're the, they, they made it in. It seems like it's pretty clear. Hopefully they don't get overtaken. I guess they're going to have to go then though, to these other tournaments, right? I believe they're definitely registered and I think they'll, they'll confirm and go, but I think if, if they get two more main draw results, I think it would take someone like Medellin, who's like not a top 17 team to really like shuffle the deck here. So that's why I'm so confident they're in. Right. And then the other guys, I guess they needed some big time results and they didn't get them. And I mean, how upset can you be when you need to deliver hugely to really make some big moves like that? I mean, I guess you can't be that upset. I mean, Josh, you're kind of involved with the program. I mean, as a fan, it was kind of like, ah, you just really would love to see them. Come on, make a play, like get through. But it's just so competitive, eh? 
I think that was so interesting, especially the first event, like Austria, we'll call them Austria two or three, like Armacora takes a fourth. And, and, and I was speaking to Leonard Crapp, a good coach here in Canada, and he coaches Sam and Sam. We were just talking about the theory, and I would love your guys' opinion on this, about like, it's not as meaningful for those guys. They were just there to have a good time, compete in battle, where the guys who are counting points and know they got to get this result, like maybe they were squeezing a little too tight. And here's these Austrian guys just ha- almost having a good time, go from the qualifier to the semifinals. Like that's pretty nuts. So like when you're in this Olympic cycle and everybody knows what's on the line, maybe there was a few guys who choked a little bit because they're, they're just pushing too tight where these guys are just like, you know, we finally get a chance to compete. We're so grateful to be here. Let's just see what happens. Yeah. You know what? I, I, I thought Grant and Ben played extremely well at times, but just, you know, just lacked a little bit of consistency. Um, you know, they, they're obviously capable of, you know, playing really well, but then they're capable of just, you know, tanking it. And I don't think it's choking. I just think it's the nature of their game. Um, you know, the conditions didn't help, but everybody was facing those conditions there. Uh, and I, with those guys, I, I really believe it's consistency. And I've, I've seen that, you know, from that team for a while, they're capable of beating anybody as they showed. Um, you know, I guess they beat that, that Bruno and, uh, the, the other top Brazilian guy, Evandro. Yeah, yeah, Evandro. And you know what? That that was a huge win, right? But it doesn't seem like those guys are really at the top of their game either right now. But but still, Ben and Grant are capable of beating everybody. They they beat uh, this the Spanish team, which was a good win. You know, they're 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 capable of a lot, and uh, it's just the consistency thing. And Sam and Sam, you know, I, you know when you talk Garrett about it, ripping your heart out. Uh, they just don't look like they're enjoying themselves. And, and it, it, it seems to me, I, I don't know if it's, if it's the pressure of the moment or just the impact of what's, you know, been on them for a number of years trying to, you know, break out of, you know, when you, when you feel you honestly believe that you're, you're way better than you're performing. I don't think it's a confidence thing. I think it's just, the frustration builds up and it erodes your enjoyment. Like when you're constantly underachieving what you know you're capable of more, that wears on you. So I wouldn't say Sam and Sam are are cracking under pressure. They're just not performing at their peak because they're they don't like their environment. They don't like what it is they're dealing with. And and I don't know if it's being addressed or not. Yeah, well, I guess we don't know. And I mean, it kind of brings me like, okay, so you, you got to go somewhere from here, right? I mean, obviously, in the Canadian context, we have two women's teams. In, but if this is the case for a lot of other teams right now, and COVID complicates things as well, right? So you got – we, we have these – finishes we have the opportunities in cancun you either some teams move up some teams are out now the continental cup is the way to go but some teams are already in so there's two tournaments left though like so what do you do like do you go to those tournaments like if it were me i'm going no i'm not going to any of those two tournaments why do i give a shit if either if i'm in or if i'm way out and i don't need that to maintain i'm not going i'm training getting ready for whatever i need to do staying at home staying safe from COVID, maybe get my vaccine um, so that I'm good to go. But I guess maybe that's a different decision for some of these teams. 
I think it really depends what you have at home, like based on what Ontario is doing right now, like uh, Sam and Sam being in Florida, I think was a great decision because if they came back to Toronto, we'd be training indoors against younger competition and they couldn't hold that level. Right. So I think it really depends on what opportunities you have in your area, what your COVID restrictions are. But yeah, there's, there's a lot of risk and, and reward conversations you need to have with your partner. Right. Like even going to Russia right now is that the I, I've heard the protocols are going to be completely different than Cancun like the promoter doesn't have the same testing protocols and everything going on so you're assuming a lot more risk just by going to that event right so and the travel involved so yeah there's a lot to consider for a lot of teams right well yeah but like what what's the point like so who is going do we have like why would why would anybody other than teams who are not in the Olympic picture either Continental Cup or um or just straight in even consider going to any of these two events for that reason. But they are, I guess they're trying to make money, but still like, what's the, to me, I'm like, this makes no sense. Like, what's the point? Well, I think it, it probably, it's a, it's a broader view than just the Olympic path. Like I think it's what they do. It's what they train for. It's, it's uh, you know, they're, they're professional beach volleyball players. They, they spend all their time doing it. And when there's a limited number of tournaments, you know, you've got to, you got to go. It's where your opportunities lie. And, you know, despite, I don't think there, it didn't look like they were dealing with any, you know, specific injuries that they needed to rest necessarily or whatever. I think they got to, you know, they, they have to work on their emotions in, in that scenario. And it's not like coming and sitting at home or just staying in Florida and not putting yourself to the test. You know, I think they have to compete and, 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 and train at that in, in, even though they're in a, in a tough spot. I don't know about Ben and Grant. I assume they're going to, and I think they're, you know, they're, they're in the same, they, they, I think they have different issues than, than Sam and Sam, but um, I, I don't think with so many limited tournaments and it's what you do, you can't not go. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's, that's, it is the life. Like you, you fly, you get on the plane, you go, like you got to play in the tournament. Like, Hey, I like, got to compete. You're trying to make that money, right? Like you ain't making money if you're sitting at home and the, the rent, pe- rent check is due for sure. But it, to, to me, it's just like, Oh man, if you're an Olympic hopeful, like Mel and Sarah, and it, it was even with the Cancun thing too. I was kind of like, okay, you got to go to these tournaments to, to get, you know, you, you're trying to compete. Like you said, dad, like you got to compete. It's what you do. But at some point it's like, all right, are we just going through the motions? Like, is this actually hurting us? Like, cause if I can talk about Mel and Sarah for a bit, Pavan and, uh, Umania Perez, um, the world cha- defending world champions on the women's side, they, it seemed like to me in this Cancun event, cause I watch a lot of their games because they were playing late often in the tournaments cause they're the world champs. So they're high up there. It seemed like they were kind of one game. It was like, Oh, well, okay. We're just going to give this one up. And then another game, it was like, okay, now we'll turn it on and we'll get it done. So they had like a podium finish and they lose to some team who they absolutely shouldn't. They go down 14 to fourteen to nine against some random team in the second round and come back and win in the third set, like just because they decide to turn it on. To me, it's kind of like at that point, I'm asking the question like, well, what are we even doing? Like, is it, are we getting better doing this or or is this hurting us? 
Well, I think what makes the Olympics interesting is the draw actually holds at that event. Like it is a true one versus eight in the quarterfinal, two versus seven versus the FIB is like a little bit of a draw and there's a little bit of guesswork to it. Right. So I wouldn't be surprised if Mel and Sarah have said like, let's get the number one seed or whatever seed like they're gunning for. Cause I think, I believe one to six is like a lock. You go in in that order and then there's a little bit of a draw and the host country fits in and all that other stuff. But knowing that like quarterfinal is going to be like one and eight and then one and four, like maybe they're trying to get ahead of the draw and really fight for seeding that it's still meaningful for them, even though they're already in the event, right? Well, I'd love to talk about it with them and get get here what like they're thinking. Like, is it is that what it is? I mean, like, because if it is, like, let's go and freaking go for it. Like, we are podium team. Like, we got to be it's there so, every time. It's so fun to speculate, right? When when we're not talking reality, okay. But so let me jump in on my speculation. Is uh, you know Sarah Pavin is completely a mentally and and in some cases physically dominant player you like she's without question many people would consider her to be you know if not the most dominant at certain times she brings with her that air of air of dominance i I think her level of hunger her level of desire to to take what's hers I think is is being um, uh, it hasn't really been been tapped. You know, they won the world championships. They've you know they've secured themselves a position. You know, they've lost some matches, tight ones to um, you know the Americans. I I don't think you're seeing Sarah and Mel's best ball by any means because you know right now they're not that hungry. Let's face it. Uh, I wouldn't say they're going through their emotions or I wouldn't say that they're, they're even, it's not necessarily this conscious thing that you go, eh. but it doesn't matter really at this point, they're still making good cash. They're still making the semis. They're still in the position to be the absolute best in the world. And they will win the gold medal in the Olympics. Absolutely. Okay. No question. Okay, so hey, there's a prediction, and I did want to get into some just some predictions and looking ahead to kind of what's going to be coming next because we have a few other battles in the Olympics. It's not completely decided, right? We have the Continental Cup. We have some of the American teams who, like both on the men's and women's side, both teams for those countries are not decided yet, right? Like there's still a chance. Like it seems like it may be leaning one way but uh there's still definitely openings there so i'm just kind of curious and i don't know if, know if either of you are kind of up on the men's and women's u.s situation but i'm kind of curious what you think may happen there I, I think it's funny that uh one day canada i hope to be that dominant where you have three teams in the top 10 and, and one's going to be excluded from the olympics like what a what a not bad problem to have for the U.S. right now. That like Sponsel and Clays have six thousand points and they're playing country quotas. Like that's how deep their country is right now, right? It's pretty crazy. So uh, I think it's funny. And there's a storyline too, right there, that uh, Bourne and Crab had to play a country quota for the very first event, the Doha one, and they missed out. And that's how Phil and Nick passed them, right? So there's a ton of storylines going on there. Like that one's intense, and I think like you got to get results these last two ones. Like that one could shift in in one event again, right? So that's yeah. a really exciting one to watch for. I mean, I think it's hard to go against Big Phil, Phil Dalhauser. I mean, Lucena, the veteran dudes, they've been through this before. They know how to get it done. And I mean, I'm just thinking the Crab and Bourne, like headed to that next event, you got to get a result, right? Because Nick and Phil are ahead of them right now, right? So you got to get a result to pass them, right? Like they pass them. 
So you're going to have to deliver and it's just so, it's going to be so tough because it's highly competitive. You got all these upstarts, you got a bunch of people with no pressure. So I'm going with the vets there. And on the women's side, again, like I know it's hard to go against Carrie Walsh. I, I don't know, but like it, my gut is just like, how do you, I mean, she, she's maybe the greatest beach volleyball player of all time. I mean, arguably you could, one could argue that and to go against her this round even at 40 plus whatever she is i mean it's hard to go not in that direction well you want to talk about joy and your partnership and going through like these moments i, I don't know if you guys caught it karen bula versus phil and nick he he aces them on the sky ball and they both kind of go for it and they run into each other and then the one guy scrambles they run into each other again and they put the ball over and it's out and they sob and they laugh at each other and they touch up and go again the next ball campfire ace they totally spread out look at the other guy i got it you got it you got it but again smiling and joyful and that's in a metal match like they're looking at each other being like oh that was really stupid of you but they're looking at each shows- other going Ah, oh, we passed the other American guys. We're probably all right still. <laughs> but I think just enjoying the moment that even though you're in a, a medal final, I, in a Cancun event, like they're still like being around each other. They still enjoy competing. And I think that was something interesting about their partnership versus some other guys that you could tell are not enjoying being around each other, not enjoying like when the failure comes. So I thought that was a, a nice peek behind the curtain for how those guys behave and how they deal with pressure because man, Phil's he'll go down as one of the best players of all time, if not the best. And it's just cool to see what he's doing at this age. Oh, man, that's a fun topic that I definitely want to talk about later. But I'm curious as well, Dad, to see your predictions, maybe for the U.S. teams and potentially for I also want to get into what we're looking ahead to for the Canadian battle for potentially the Continental Cup. But also that's not a guarantee. Yeah, I think, you know, I agree with you guys completely on Phil and Nick. Um, They're solid. And, uh, you know, I think they have another gear and, and they'll show up when the time is, you know, didn't Sam and Sam beat Bourne Crab? They did. Yes, so, we did. you know what? That, that, when you guys are talking about that tough battle with the top three Americans, and then our guys who are struggling, you know, to feel any type of real, you know, win, they beat, they beat one of those teams that's right in the thick of it there in the U.S. That just shows you, I think, the parity on the men's side of the tour. For sure. Um, you know, like, they, everybody's so physical now, and they – like Qatar, like uh, they, those guys watching those guys. And it's a different guy. Like uh, the, the guy that was on the, the yeah. tour the last time, I think it was Jefferson. Is that, yeah. was that his name? He's not there. They bring in this other guy and he's and like, they dominate and he's a physical dynamo. Like those two guys are like fiery. They don't get tired. They they're just fun to watch. Yeah. They're like, wow, that that's, a different style and level of beach volleyball. And then you get the Italian guy jacking up the spinners and, and acing people all over the place. But what I found super bizarre in the men's sport, the, the best team that handled that sky ball was guitar. Like, which wouldn't be known for great ball control and everything, but he didn't give them any trouble. Like it, it's it, almost like they're like, they're they're on the other side of it they're like oh what like what sky ball yeah, right? it's like just, oh sky ball and they're like what like i just pass yeah. it. Like, it's like you know you got you got phil and nick bumping into each other the most experienced <laughs> guys and you got these guys from guitar <laughs> who are physical specimens you know aren't supposed to you know be that good at the ball control and they're passing up like what what's that give me another one so okay so who do you like on the women's side from the u.s 
It's tough because correct me no, if I'm I, wrong, I, I, Josh, but in, in spite of uh, Gleis and Sponsel having to play in the country quota, they are ahead, I think. Friend of the show, Jeff Miller, started an amazing golf brand called Club Jason. Designed with quality in mind, Jason sets no limits on comfort, feel, and appeal. They are devoted to growing the game of golf and creating opportunities for those who could benefit greatly from a little extra support. 10% of all sales will go to a Club Jason scholarship for a female golfer. An additional 10% of all sales will go towards junior golf programs in Ontario. Club Jason wanted to pass on some savings to you, official friend of the show. Use promo code DIMES, that's D-I-M-E-S, at checkout to receive 15% off your order. Jason also offers free shipping in North America on any order over $99. Visit clubjason.com, that's C-L-U-B-J-S-O-N.com to check out their amazing clothing and to learn more. Jason, join the club. Oh, I didn't check after Cancun. You're right. I think Alex and April are in. And then, yeah, yeah there's this weird thing where, like, Carrie and Brooker right there, Sponsor Clay's right there. But I think Kalinsky and her partner are actually mathematically in there as well. Like, there's there's still two, four fighting for those two spots, right? I, I think I'm going to go Sponsor Clay's. I think they're a lot of fun to watch. They do a lot of deceptive stuff they do cheesy two balls like they're they're a fun team to watch i'll go for them but uh so you're go, you're, like, you're you're predicting against gary welsh just for the sake of the show this is kind of like if you were betting on the super bowl this year how do you bet against tom brady well somebody obviously did so i'm just going to be that guy so there's a counter argument here garrett i just can't agree with you on everything but uh whoever makes it they're going to be solid like any american team that gets in is going to be really really good but uh, I'll, I'll go sponsor clays and alex in april yeah you know what i uh, I really hope for Carrie. Like she's definitely. You, you hope for her. I hope but you for hoping her. for her maybe signals that you don't think, think it's possible. Well, I, you know, I think, I think it will surprise me as much it, as it will make me happy for her to get in, um, because. You know, no disrespect to Brooke, but I, I don't I don't see her being able to, you know, carry that load, carry that load. Oh, um, OK. All yeah. right. That's enough. Well, hey, it's supposed to be a fun <laughs> show. It's supposed to be a fun show. And who gives you clays anyway? <laughs> All right. Uh, well you're, you're cut well off. Mute button. <laughs> we don't have the tech for that, actually. OK, so I, I think bold predictions. Now, I think. The one that we're all interested in, and I don't know about our listeners, where you're from. I mean, if you're watching on YouTube, comment down below who, where you're from, who you're rooting for, for the Olympics and the journey. And we hope it still happens. I mean, Tokyo's COVID situation is not, is not great. So we're hoping it still goes. If it does go, it means there's going to be a continental battle. Our Canadian boys are going to have to go. Do we know where it is even, Josh? It is in, oh, I forget the city. It's in Mexico. I think it starts June 23rd. So they got to go down to Mexico and they got to battle with Mexico. Those, hey, and those boys are good. Both yeah. those teams are good. Yeah. I mean, and the, the one defender on the other team, the both defenders, they look like brothers and yeah. they're not. Like, I, I don't get it. They are the same dude, but they're not. Anyways, that's beside the point. And Cuba, right? 
Cube 2 is a little bit weaker than historically, but Cube 1 is still the same old same. So you got to play them. Uh, who else would be there? Puerto Rico. Like the, the Norseka circuit's pretty good, but with the Americans going to get two teams in the front door and in, in the top 14 or 15, wherever the cutoff is, that that's a nice change for the draw. But you're right. It's going to be tough no matter who's there. And I think Mexico 1 and 2 are going to be solid. Yeah, like th- that's not an easy go and i mean i guess i think canada would have the top seed there given world tour points i would have to assume in that tournament right like we'd have to it'd be mexico and cuba potentially playing each other to get the right to play canada which i think is a huge benefit if it works out that way i mean i hope it does i hope it's world tour points and not norseka points because if it's absolutely screwed and any of our listeners familiar with the Norseka circuit, it being in Mexico, I wouldn't be surprised if a rule just gets changed because Mexico gets an advantage. Like that's happened I mean, before, hey, guys. Yeah, house rules. I mean, it's a thing. We should put in a bid for the Continental Cup next quad because then we can maybe try to fudge it if that's where we are. But so they got to go down there. They got to battle with with them. And that's not a guarantee because that Cuban team, and I don't know, is it the same two guys? Because they were fourth at the Olympics last time. No, Navaldo is uh, now playing indoor, so he's gone. But I think Gonzalez is still there. And then, like I said, Cuba 2 is like, they're kind of like an 85 to 90 seed right now in the world. So they're, I mean, if anybody's got an athlete that I've never heard of, who could show up and win a tournament. It's, it's going to be Cuba, right? But uh, the on paper, Cuba 2 is not as strong, but I, I hope I don't have to eat my words on this one. Okay, well, let's assume, and it's not, it's not a fair assumption. Let's assume Canada pulls that one out. We get a berth, Sam and Sam. Grant and Ben go down and get the job done. They come home. COVID is still raging, potentially. They got to head into the center. They got to go in indoors. So it's interesting you bring that up. I, I think that one has not been confirmed yet, but I think if it comes back to Toronto, it has to be in the center because you're not allowed at the beach. And obviously, like, even if you don't advertise this, people are going to find a way to watch it, right? Where I think one proposal, can't confirm or deny, is they just stay a day later and they play it in Mexico with a ref and a crew there. So oh, they're a little anti-climatic, I mean, but... Uh, oh, gosh. Neither Logistically, good, it makes honest. sense, but if we can't watch it, that, that would be painful, right? But I think that is one plan because... They have to go to Tokyo to get in the bubble and get approved and get ready for the games, right? Because everybody's got to arrive a little bit earlier to do the protocol. So that that is one conversation that's been had. I can't, can you know, confirm my source or anything, but uh, th- that is one potential thing. But if we don't find a way to live stream that thing, like, I'm going to cry, I think. Oh, my gosh. That would be devastating. I mean, for me, uh, forget them. Like, they'll figure it out. They're athletes. <laughs> they're pros. But for me, the devastating to watch that. Are you kidding me? You, you go down to Mexico. You, you win together. And then it's immediately like, hey, battle to the death now, boys. Who are you voting right here. for? Who are you voting for? That's <laughs> <laughs> a tough one. It's a tough one. And maybe one, the teams are like, what do you mean it's tough, Garrett? It's not a tough prediction. What are you talking about, you dick? Oh, it's obviously us. I didn't but, say prediction. I didn't say prediction. Oh, who am I voting for? <laughs> what do you mean, like? Like who, if I vote, who do you win. want to win? Who do I want to win? It's a tough question. It's a really tough question because yeah, I don't know. I really don't know. I mean, you'd want the team who you think is maybe going to have the chance to make it the farthest in the tournament, right? Like at the Olympics to show well, you play more games, right? And that's, I, I don't four think. words to say to you. I got four words to say to you. Not three words? Four words. Four, four words. Pillars. 
That's that's one word. <laughs> <laughs> I said four in that. Yeah. I, again. Okay. So oh, little are we rooting? Okay. So for a little history for our uh, our listeners and viewers, if you're still watching, thank you so much. Um, Grant O'Gorman. Canadian beach volleyball national team member uh, in the battle for the Olympics played for the crush volleyball club was a part of our community played on my club team played on my brother's club team where it was a dad coach. It was a whole community there. And Grant is now in a spot battling for the Olympics and See, Dad, I think you're assuming that I'm a nice guy. I'm actually an internally jealous and bitter guy. So, I mean, I might vote for Grant because I want him to do well because we grew up together and all that. But I might also vote against him because I'm just straight up bitter. Well, I I thought it had something to do with your former world championship partner. Again, again, it's not like I said, it's not easy. Let me let me think on it, Josh. I know you're maybe. maybe are you allowed to give predictions? I was going to play the conflict of interest card and just say I love all these guys. I hope Canada wins the bid and just fight it out amongst yourselves. I'll support whoever goes okay. and I'll love whoever loses. But I, yeah. I don't think I can pick one right. here. Okay, so you're obviously not allowed to root for one team. Or <laughs> that would be awful. Are you also not allowed? I mean, I guess if you were betting, it would be a huge conflict of interest. I would imagine the FIB would have a serious problem if coaches are betting on the sidelines. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. I mean, it's lame, but it's fair. Um, yeah. I mean, I think, I think if I look at who has a chance to go the furthest, right? Like who you think on their best day, if they come out and just happen to get on fire, who's going to really make the run? I, I got to think it's potentially Sam and Sam. I, I, I hate to say that because I think Ben and Grant are, are, in my opinion, one of the most professional kind of take it the most seriously hardworking teams. But I just think with Sam and Sam, you've got such a high level of physicality with both of those guys. that if they keep the control together, they get some confidence, they get it rolling. I think that's going to be a tough train to stop. I mean, it's also possible that they totally fold up, right? Like, like, so I, I don't know what, what, what are you looking for out of your Canadian team? I'm not sure. I think whoever comes out of it, all right. Easy prediction here. Again, easy prediction you're about to make. No, 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 no. Nobody asked nobody asked me for uh, my prediction. I'm, I'm just, asking you for your prediction. Prediction or who I want to win? Both. Well, I think I, like, I think I'd like Ben and Grant to win. I think I would like that. I think I would feel good about that. But I I think I think Sam and Sam are going to win. Well, let me say this. I think Grant or none has been the hardest working man in volleyball or beach volleyball in this country for a long time. He, he would be right up there with a Marquise in his, in his commitment to max squeezing every inch out of that thing yeah. he has. And it right? feels good, right? It yeah. feels good. He just battled through cancer. Right. There's, there's no question that, I, I want Grant to ultimately achieve that. And not, not just because I have some personal vested interest in Grant. Not just, just because of that, but part of it. Well, I also feel somewhat vested in all these guys. Right. Um, so, uh, you know, I, and I want, I want Sam and Sam. Like I was, I, I watched one of their matches and I haven't spoken to them, either of them for a long time, but I sent them both a text after 
this match I watched when they lost to, uh, I can't remember who it was, but it was, I was just so, I was like, guys, you know, I just want you to know you're not alone out there. People are here caring about that. You're, you're feeling good about what you do. And, uh, I joked with Sam Schachter. I don't even know if he saw it because he didn't reply, but I said, I wish we could just get a Euchre game in because, you know, we spent a lot of time with Garrett and Sam and Mark and I playing Euchre at the world championships. So, you know what? I, I, I want Grant to win. Uh, I really do. Um, but I, you know, I love Sam and Sam too, for a lot of reasons. Like, but I, I want Grant to win. I want Grant to win. And I want, I want that. And I, I can say that. Um, and it, it, uh, it's just, a it's, it's going to be great, but I really want them, you know, it, it's going to show itself in the uh, trials. Like it's not whoever, like meaning if if they get into a position where they earn a spot for Canada, then they both made the Olympics. Given the struggle it is, I feel I know they won't feel that, but that really will be like for the first time ever, legitimately earn the spot in the Olympics, right? Because it's it's not a given. It's not right, a given. but I mean, try telling that to both Sam and Grant, who went and earned it. Last last Olympics, and then mm, sorry, bye bye. Well, you know what? Sh- Schachter's been to the Olympics, so he's he's had that experience, and it really comes down to you know Sam and Grant, which one you know. And I love I love Big Sam too, but I I gotta I you know I my my loyalty has to if I if I hope for somebody to win, it's with Grant. Man, and that just, it's just so tough, right? The partnerships and the guys, and it's just like, damn, why are we in this freaking spot? Because Josh, we've talked a lot about on the show about trying to create this kind of team mentality in, in Canada and have everybody kind of engage in the same goal, medals for Canada, the Olympics, right? And here we have an opportunity to really put our, our name in, and yet we got we to gotta freaking compete against each other to to do that right so it kind of in some ways affirms all the crap that we deal with and see on a daily basis like oh guys being petty like the competing it's like well because if we get down to this moment i don't want this guy knowing my 10 favorite shots where i go when i'm in trouble how you know how to fold me up and all that right well i do enjoy our system because there are other countries who just do a nomination and they say hey john and your partner and gary and your partner thanks for winning this bid but uh john we're going to choose you and gary you just go but i i was there too so i do like the the method that yeah, we like play things out my dad yeah, that's like, like like how yeah, are you choosing bogus. him over we me? don't negotiate we we even play in the hypothetical here. you're still picking him <laughs> over me like how could you do yeah, that that's, like that's so bogus like yeah it's bogus that, that's a joke I know it's a joke. I mean, this guy's over sixty, <laughs> and you're still you know, picking him you, over you me. Let's let's rewind back to the uh, the London Olympics. <laughs> go back to go back to the London Olympics. Really? No, you know, I, I I'm not sure you were getting what I was saying, but I I'm with it. you all the way. What we were about arguing the two Olympics? different things there for sure? <laughs> <laughs> I missed it completely. I was saying, how could Josh pick you over me, like you? Garrett wants to argue the hypothetical. John wants to argue that other the real thing. just pick I a mean, guy. Like, yeah. I think that's a real example of the relationship here. Dad, keep well, it focused. Hey, hey, if, if you want to get into that, I'd like, 
I'd like to know why you're describing me as your biological father. Like I knew what? you'd ask about that. I said what? it what? just because what I knew you'd that? ask about it later. He's my biological father. No, I knew you'd a, ask about that. I was thinking you have the a show, different I was like, father now. Who's I was your thinking, I was like, now? okay, how am I going to introduce my dad? I'm going to say, yeah. oh, I'm going to just say my biological father because I know it'll hit him in the mind completely. You've been thinking about that for 40 minutes now. <laughs> <laughs> You, yeah, it's been on your mind for 40 minutes. Why didn't you call me out right away? Because as a matter of fact, I'm announcing it right here on this show. I'm not. <laughs> it, this has turned into Maury Povich. We had a DNA test. You are not the father. <laughs> That's a throwback reference right there. Comment below well if you get that reference. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh. Oh my god! I Sorry, what were we talking about? We're talking about picking a team. I mean, hey, I can, I could get on board with that. You, the the guy who loves to compete and battle it out, you would like a, a coach or a federation to say, "Yeah, we're going to go with this team." Well, here's the thing. Think about this situation. Say the Cuba situation. You got a team who's good. You got a team who's real bad. You 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 go to the Continental Cup. The team who's real good carries you the entire way. The team was bad, loses every game, but because the good team wins the golden set, you keep going. Then it's like, okay, guys, now we're going to play off to see who goes. It's like, hold on. Um, what? That team's garbage. Their rank is terrible. They weren't even close. They didn't win a single game. And now we got to play them? Like, what if I pull a hammy? Or like, what if I fold up completely? Like, you know, it, it's like, that doesn't make sense to me. We're not sending the best team. In Sam and Sam and Ben and Grant's case, I mean, it makes sense. You have to compete it out. I mean, they're close enough on the world to a rankings. Like, you got to do it. But in some situations, I can see how it might secure you getting the best team. Is it fair? Well, no. Hey, that's what the, that that question came up when we were when we qualified, you know, for the for the uh, London Olympics. Yeah. Well, Heather and her partner, and uh, Maria Andre and uh, her partner. You know, Heather was way, ranked way higher, and you know they got upset. Uh, you know, it 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 is what it is. Like if the team's that much better, there should be no question. You beat the other team. Well, for sure. But so, what is that Even much better? Even you know? Like, what is that much better? Like, is seven wins out of ten that much better? Yeah, it just comes down. There's no free ride. You got to win. Well, right. No, right. Yeah. No, I'm not advocating for just picking the team who goes by any means. No, I'm not advocating for that. But I'm saying in some situations you can see like, shoot, like maybe we should do this. Yeah, I, I would never, I would never opt for that under any circumstances. Okay. So even if, even if you and I were Canada's third team, we go down there. It's you and me now. Well, and you, we don't time, win again. Last time you and I played together, we won the tournament. We did. But. The, the golden set. We did. We won. <laughs> right. So you and I go down there and we're competing. We lose every game for obvious reasons. Like we're not, we're not in the mix. Right. We go down, we lose. And then Ben and Grant, who carried our asses all the way through the tournament, is like, okay, now let's play each other, boys. It's like, well, no. Well, yes. You don't think that if you and I had a shot at the Olympics, we, we might 
We would have a shot, but we absolutely would not deserve a shot, is what I'm saying. Well, no, we went to the Norseka. And did dick. Well, we went. Well, yeah, we, we paid the ticket. <laughs> well, why would we be going? Is there nobody else? It's a, it's a bad discussion. Okay. <laughs> well, well, there is no one else. I mean, Josh, get on it. I mean, next gen, like, coach, come on. You got some work to do. Hey, serious. I spend five minutes with Will and Jake. They're going to be the best team in Canada for the men, no question. Give me five minutes with them. Well, you already had five minutes with them. No, no, no. It was just a text message. Oh, okay. So you need only a five-minute phone call to turn them into the best team. Yeah, but unfortunately, they, they won't be able to get into that Norseka thing, or they'd be going to the Olympics. Right. Yeah, I mean, we've had Jake on the show. Check out the previous episodes with him in it, you get a sense about Jake. Um, I think that's bold talk from you, dad, for sure. <laughs> Biological father. Um, but I, I am kind of like, there is some drama in this. And if this were the NBA or if this were some other league who had some promotional team behind it, they would be all over this. Like, are you kidding me? Partner versus partner. They got to go down together with their new partners, win the bid, and then they're going head to head, right? Same thing with Kame and Ben, who played in Cancun. It's the first time they'd played since. They both got new partners. I mean, Kame's partner is much larger than Ben's new partner. I mean, significantly <laughs> taller. You got a seven-footer versus Grant. I mean, it's hard to compare, but Kame gets the win, trader, with the new country. Like, And there was an article on the FIVB, but... You know, that's something you can hype up, like missed opportunity there. It's the same thing with these continental things, man. Like it's drama. Yeah, it's like country quota, except it's for the Olympics. Well, yeah, it's it's exactly what it is. But I feel like the stakes are pretty big. Well, yeah, they are. But you know what? In the context of what we do, yeah, it's the highest stakes. But in the context of the the whole big picture, it's not that big. I I watch that game with Kane, right? No question, Grant and Ben should have won that, that they were in control. And then as soon as that first set was over, I said to somebody, I said, they don't win this set, it's over. And it, they, you know, they just, you know. Did, did you say that in the second set after they lost the first set? Because that's an easy prediction. No, I said it in the first <laughs> set. <laughs> hey, if they, they lost the first set, if they don't win this set, it's over. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, I wasn't that simplistic. But well, hopefully we can bring some attention to that, Josh. And I've been mulling around this idea, like just getting some hype around some of these kind of dramatic and exciting things that are going on in our sport. Like, are you kidding me? Like, come on, this is insane. Like, are they, they're just going to play it in Mexico and like, nobody's going to watch it. Nobody's going to be vested and feel the sadness of the team who loses and the excitement for the team who wins. Like that's part of the sport, right? You represent your damn country and you're going to play the match in another country. Come on. I think that's that's our COVID world right now. Like even if it was in Canada, you can't have fans, right? So what's I I, I understand the appeal selfishly. And I mean, if it's in Canada, there's a better chance of us getting a live stream. But if it's in Mexico, you know, it's going to be a played outdoors. You're going to have a neutral referee like there. There's some benefits to that method. But uh, going back to your storyline comment, like when Toronto hosted World Tour finals and they tried to do Heather versus Sarah, I think that was done in a little bit of poor taste, but it did build it up where I think you and I might be the ones to build up these storylines where like I don't know, LeBron goes back to Cleveland for the first time and there's like riots. Like, I think if you build the storyline, it gets interesting and you get the backstory. But I think it can also be done in poor taste sometimes. So you got to walk that line a little bit of how how you're telling the story. 
Yeah, I agree. And for our viewers out there, if you don't know what we're talking about, if you're still listening, thank you so much, by the way. Um, during the last, I guess it was the last Olympic. No, it was the World Tour Finals 2015, right? Yes. In no. Toronto. No, because they would have split, so they played together in Rio. So 2016? I believe it was, yeah. 2016 World Tour Finals in Toronto, our hometown. And they did this whole video with Heather Bansley and Sarah Pavin head to head. And it was this whole drama thing. Mark interviewing Heather and Dane Blanton interviewing Sarah. And they cut this thing together. And I mean, you're right, Josh. It was kind of like, but they could have like done that really well. Because the truth, like the truth is exciting enough. Like they, they had differences. They broke up. Now they're both a top team in the world. We're together. Canada's second team at that time was, I mean, kind of in it, but not as much as they are now. That's for sure. Well, actually, the Canada's second team at that time was very in it because their coach is sitting right with us here. It was it was Christine and Jamie. But before that, I don't, I don't think we were ever really in it, right? So there wasn't an, an era there where the women's side was really popping off. But it was it was a well, long time coming. The Rio Olympics was the first time you know, Canada qualified two women's team legitimate without the continental qualifier. Right. So. Sorry. I mean, going forward, like, cause you know, Jamie and Christina after the Olympics, they were, I mean, they played in that event, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. But was that their last tournament they played together? Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> I mean, as a as a spectator of like it, that brought some it made volleyball look kind of bush league in some ways because i think it was done in a weird way where like mark had no idea what like or did he I, did you talk to him about that dad no i don't know if they had any idea what they were, the cut was going to be to put it together but like you're right it made volleyball kind of look bad but if they had done it well it's like no, this is this is really what happens in the sport right like and came changing countries like holy that's a canadian guy playing for the u.s wins a country quota now we might have partner versus ex-partner versus ex-partner for the continental cup you know like you got all these different storylines that what is it going to show up on an article on the fivb website i mean maybe like when tom brady when Tom Brady comes back to New England this year, I guarantee my wife, who doesn't even understand the rules of the NFL or football, will watch the pregame and pick a side and be emotionally invested in that outcome because the NFL is going to knock that out of the park, right? I don't think volleyball has really ever done a storyline where you watch and you like you're really emotionally invested and attached to somebody just by watching the 30 minute like HBO special, right? Where I guarantee the Tom Brady one, like you're gonna you can't be neutral on that. You're gonna pick a side. Is it New England? Is it Tom? Is it this or is it that? But like it's gonna be entertainment. It's not gonna be sport at that point. That's so true. I mean, I feel like we need at least a little bit of that, you know, a little, a little taste, a little spice. You know what? And, and, you know, my, my thoughts on, on the whole uh, narrative around this about the emotions that go on between the partnerships and, and so on and so forth. I think it's, I think for the most part, people don't even get that. Like the general audience, no, the general audience doesn't. Right. Like, well, your partners, like whatever, like, right. Right. Like the emotions, the connection, like in our sport of volleyball, I don't think even the, as a collective norm, they, they they can relate to the emotions and really what that means. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He used to play with him. Yeah. So what? Or, you know, da, 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 da. there is some that. But the 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 how that affects your psychology is incredible. 
and you draw the parallel about Tom Brady, like the difference in that sport, I, I understand where you're coming from about that it becomes newsworthy and it, it, it takes on a life of its own. But the relevance in the sport, like it's beach volleyball within the volleyball realm. Yeah, it's bump set spike, the same mentality, but the sport of volleyball in a group versus the sport of volleyball in a one-on-one -on -one union, the, the psychological dynamic of that and the emotional connection in that, we within the communities don't even really grasp it because that's really fundamentally what affects outcomes. Like Sam and Sam could beat Born and Craft, but Sam and Sam, because of their management of their own emotional you know, environment and their own mentality at any given moment cannot be that Swiss team as an example. Like it's so, it, it, it's such a, and, and it's such a nuance. That so are you saying, and I, I kind of, are you saying that even us in the sport at the highest level don't even really understand the impact of the partner to partner dynamics. So how could anybody potentially take an interest or get invested in what's going on? Right. I'm a hundred percent saying that, that I think we lack the own. Uh, and if I could take the sport and turn it into a human, we lack self-awareness as a sport. I mean, if we could take the sport and turn it into a human beach volleyball would be one good looking sport. I mean, come on, <laughs> let's be honest. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. We'd be hot and just full of ego <laughs> with no self-awareness. That is interesting. Like when there's a breakup I, as a coach, I feel uncomfortable at practice. Like if you have a big squad, do you put them across the net from each other? Do you separate them? Do you avoid them? Because like it's a breakup essentially, right? So what is the mood at practice? Because in the Canadian system, you got to train with, with the guy who just dumped you, right? Like been there, Josh, been there a lot. <laughs> You know, it's fascinating, though, like, I'm, I'm wondering within the community and within the, the structure, if it was as obvious to those in power, whoever that might be, and I don't want to point fingers at any one or individual, but I just, those that manage and control our sport, or not even control it, but drive it, you know, you talk about own the podium and investment in the sport and all that. I'm wondering what the perspective was with Sam and Sam. Like, it, 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 you know, I couldn't have been the only one that reached out to them and said, hey, you're not alone here, guys. Well, you might you have know. been. You well, might have been. It, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm curious. But that would, that would be a symptom of our lack of awareness. Right. Because nobody so looks at what the happened and goes, Something's going on here. They're not feeling great. And they, they just go, oh, they lost. And they don't start singing man in the mirror. That's for sure. Okay. Well, not many people do that, Dad. It's not a common thing. 
Well, Garrett, how do you feel when you're on tour? Because when I first moved to Toronto, one of my best friends was Christian Redmond, and he told me on tour, if you're having success, you're getting Facebook messages, you're getting text messages, everybody's rooting you on. When you're losing, being on tour can be one of the most lonely feelings you have in your life because you're in a hotel room with a partner who one of you just cost each other money, right? Like one of you screwed up, and now you're spending time, you're eating meals with the same person, and all of a sudden the messages, the congratulations, those aren't coming anymore, right? So how did you feel as an athlete? Like did you have – like obviously you have family and friends, like you have your own support circle, but how did you feel the community reacted to some of your results? It's interesting. Cause I never, I never like met a lot of the guys or girls on tour, like and conversed or nobody sending me messages anyways. Like it, it, it was, always, you know, and when I went and got a win, nobody knew who the hell I was anyways. Nobody's saying, Hey, congrats Garrett. Like, and that, that was kind of the thing I hated about it. It was like, am I going to go make friends and make nice with all my competitors? No, I'm a, like, I'm here to kick all their asses. So you're right. You are there alone with only your partner. Who's the only person who like, you're not competing against in, in some ways. I mean, yeah. And we probably found the most solace connecting in the other gender team, like the women's team and probably vice versa, because you're not competing against them. Right. But how, how many times did I see this, a guy, you watching like either we're out or we're still in it. You watch a team have clearly a tough loss for the partnership and you're out dinner later, right? Cause we're all there. Nobody's going anywhere. Your flight's not for a few days or whatever. And you see them not eating dinner together. And like the one guy comes and sits with you or you see, you know, you get the one guy and it's like, it, it's awkward. It's like, cause you're having a fight with your spouse or something in front of everybody who's there watching you week after week after week. So I kind of get Christian's comment and probably playing with, uh, you know, the partners he has are probably very different depending on who it was, but I can see how that'd be the case. Like he's going off having dinner with a bunch of other people and it's like, oh, you had a win. Everybody thinks it's all good, but you had a loss. It's a maybe a bit like, Ooh, like are things okay at home type thing? Like if you knew I was fighting with my spouse before coming on and doing this show, you treat me a little bit differently. Yeah. Like, I, and I, I don't think people, you're right, dad. I don't think people see it the same way. Although I think some people do. And the people who do do nothing about it. Kind of. I mean, you text Sam and Sam and said, Hey, you know, people behind you, I'm not doing that. And I, I could be, but you know, we mentioned before, I'm a little bit of a bitter guy. So I'm kind of maybe trying to, uh, to stay out of it. No, but it's the great, it's a great thing. It, it's, it's, it's the fundamental greatest thing about our collective sport is that we we practice the fundamental relationship in life like outside of sport you're seeking marriage or you're seeking intimate relationships or partnerships now i'm not saying everybody but it it seems to be something that we we do in our lives we we get married we have divorces we have challenges we seek relationships you know and and our sport enables us to to practice those life skills in a sport where it you know and it and it does affect the challenges as well our sport gives us the opportunity to be in communities and fit within a larger group and play a role 
within a dynamic where somebody else has the power and you're not in control and you got to fall into line and and wear a uniform and and yeah that's true oh man oh gosh i want to argue with you but you're making such a great point right now what the heck indoor versus beach you're right like it's a it's a marriage versus your work colleagues in an indoor setting which is also volleyball it's absolutely it's so different right and there's no other sport that that you know give have you ever you've seen doubles tennis and you've seen singles tennis have you ever seen six-man tennis well, when you first said that, my first thought was the does the double skeleton. Okay, my mind went there too. My yeah. mind went to <laughs> the double where they lay on top of each other, and that's I thought, pretty intimate. Yeah, that's, that's got to feel like a marriage. I mean, it's an intimate relationship. I, I'm not familiar with that. Sorry. What? <laughs> In the Winter Olympics, they the the luge, they run down and oh, they oh, lie on each other. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 I got that. Yeah. Yeah. I got that. <laughs> yeah. And I guess there is four man bobsled. That's right. Right. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. But I I I don't think our sport gets that. Yeah. Like it's so, it's it's so Josh, a- are we are we now doing as part of our beach volleyball focus training, marriage counseling in the partnerships as a regular form of training? I think so. I think if you were to and like poll the players, I think they would appreciate this. I think there would be some benefit because really? I think there's, I think there's some conversations not happening in my opinion, you, like as a coach that the players would be down for that to be a better communicator and get more out of your partner. Like, I think there's a ton of benefit out of this. Like, I don't think marriage counseling is something to be shied away. Well, like it's this taboo frame it thing, a little right? bit differently like, than I might've <laughs> communication and, and team building training sounds a lot better than marriage counseling. Well, yeah, it's like, how can I get the most out of you? How can I make sure that you're dialed in for practice? Like, how can I support you? Like, those are conversations that I don't think every partnership has. But if, if you can figure that out, then, then we're going places, right? Well, I think the two of you definitely need a consultant because you're going to kind of a one-on-one relationship. You're trying to, hey, you're trying to bring other people into your relationship all the time. But let's talk about your dynamic. Hey. How are you guys getting along? Is it all good? <laughs> You know what? There's maybe some conversations that are not happening on this show as well. And uh, yeah, I think that's maybe how, a great place to cut it off, actually. Now how that you we're about Garrett. How do you feel when Garrett does this, Josh? <laughs> okay. All right. Easy, easy there, Dad. When you say this, I feel this. Isn't that one of the exercises you do, right? So, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. All right. Well, okay. So ne- then that's what's happening. We'll have May and May, May and Sons. Marriage counseling for beach volleyball athletes. Yeah, no. I you know. Hey, hey, you said you're making Jake and uh, Will the best team, and come on. I'm going to announce now, as you know. Uh, well, okay. <laughs> as you, as you know, as you know, I'm I moved up to Springwater, which is close to Barrie, where oh, you know, move calling out where you live. Interesting, across the street from uh, Sam Schachter's better half's parents i know that's a bit of a and you know you're trying to thin line anyway long story short <laughs> i'm putting a cord in up here a beach cord in it up here and it's gonna be we're gonna host private sessions up here and it's gonna deal with everything okay <laughs> so you're you're making a bid for the national team training center up in Springwater. no i'm making a bid for that match to take place oh. in May's backyard. 
Is the court going to be ready in time? I'm yes. down. Get Sam and Sam and Grant and Ben up here and let them go at it right in my backyard. Oh, yeah. Yes. And everyone's invited. Well, COVID. Again, we have to, if you're virtually, vaccinated. Virtually. Virtually. Well, yeah, we'll st- <laughs> hey, we'll stream it. I mean, Josh, listen, if there's any influence you can make in this in the system, it's got to benefit sharp cuts. Come on. Isn't that the definition of a conflict of interest? Isn't that? Yes, but come on. <laughs> oh, you're not, hey, you're not dealing with this group. You, you deal with the next gen. No, but if he gives the exclusive rights to stream the game to Sharp Cuts, I mean, it's a bit of a, bit of a conflict of interest. But absolutely, didn't we just say if beach volleyball were a person, they'd be extremely hot, but totally ego-centered and kind of not a great person. So We did circle back. That's a good one, yeah. Let's lean into it. <laughs> let's lean into it. All right. Well, this has run its course. I mean, I'm having fun chatting with you guys. I mean, is that what's that signal for our relationship? Hopefully well, good things. Well, it's about time you called your dad. <laughs> even the, even though I'm only your biological dad. Yeah, I think. Well, I, I, I like to introduce that because like, how do I? OK, I'm introducing our next guest, my father. Like, so when somebody hears that, does that not father like? Is this his minister? Is this actually his dad? Like, if I say my dad, like, well, okay, no, my biological father. Let me ask you, Josh. Josh, let me ask you: Is is your dad still living? Yes. I'd like him on the next show. Well, (laughs) you don't get to ask for that kind of stuff. Oh, I just like him on the next show. Well, for what? Not a volleyball fan. I'm sure he's a funny guy. Hilarious, quirky. You got that from Josh? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There's something to say, said about, uh, you know, father and son teams. It's very interesting combination. Well, if the ratings from our previous episodes are any indication, which they are not, by the way, we had the Saxons on the father son duo. And that was, I mean, it was a good episode. Did you, what did you watch it, dad? I didn't. Well, I mean, so don't be throwing around orders to get Josh's dad on here unless you're watching all the episodes. How about? Oh, sorry. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it, was, it wasn't an order. It was just a request. Well, okay. Yep. All right. Fair. This is an order. Call your dad more often. Well, I mean, yes, sir. Um, <laughs> all right. I think that's where we'll cut it off. Uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed this conversation. If you made it all the way through, holy shit. Thanks for watching. Uh, hit that subscribe button if you're watching on YouTube or, I mean, you may be already subscribed on the podcast if you're watching, but if you're not, you better be like, get, come on every Monday morning, these episodes come out there. I mean, well, you heard, you can make your own opinions, but thanks for watching. Josh, you got any last word for the folks if they're still listening? Yeah, you're the best. If you're still listening, uh, you're probably listening on Spotify, Apple podcasts, Google play, wherever you get a podcast, you can get this one. So either you're watching on YouTube or you're listening and, and you're amazing. So thanks to you. Yeah, thanks everyone for watching. Thanks, Dad, for joining us, and we'll see you next time.